The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for this podcast. Today's episode is number 175. We are well into our fourth year, and we thank you for listening. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer for this podcast. This week, we have a very interesting interview with a gentleman named K.C. Armstrong. You may know his name. K.C. Armstrong is probably best known for being part of the Howard Stern Show. After he played his fifth season with the Western Kentucky Football Hilltoppers, he was offered a job working for the most talented radio visionary of all time. He worked with Howard Stern for seven years. After he was fired by Infinity Broadcasting, the years to follow would be spent in some of the darkest places one could imagine. He was homeless in California, living in a car. He did irreversible damage to his health. He was admitted to the hospital over 40 times from complications due to alcoholism. After getting clean and sober, he founded his own radio station, WMAP, which stands for World's Most Amazing People. His definition of amazing is someone who gets through life with dignity and some sort of integrity and also helps other people. Let's talk to Casey Armstrong. Casey, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being willing to share your story with us, and I've read a little bit about you, so I'm excited to hear from you. Hey, thanks so much. I am so excited to, uh, to be here. I, I know that your program helps a lot of people and answers a lot of questions for people that are probably looking for answers. So uh, if my story can help anybody, then uh, I'm totally cool with, uh, with, with, uh, with doing this. And very excited, too, because uh, I, you guys are amazing at what you do. So. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you. So, Casey, the way I like to start this is how did you get your main drug of choice was alcohol. How did you very first get started with that? Hmm. Well, I guess like most kids do, uh, you know, we, we used to screw around with it when, you know, we'd have sleepover parties at like, uh, I guess like, you know, second or third grade or something like that. You know, maybe somebody would steal a beer or something from the, their fathers or something like that. Uh, but, I, you know, that was never a problem in high school. It was never really a problem. College, it's, that's what college people do. They, you know, they drink. But um, when, when uh, I turned around 30, 33, that's when it, the game totally changed. And what happened that the game changed in terms of alcohol? Um, see, I've always had, uh, I'm sure a lot of your, your uh, viewers and listeners can, can identify with this. I've always had a horrible depression. And, uh, you know, when, when life doesn't work out the way you want it to, uh, sometimes the thing that we go to is a drug or a drink or whatever it may be. And uh, that's, that's kind of what happened to me. Uh, around 34, I, I had a relationship and, and uh, I, again, everyone can relate to this. You use relationships because uh, in one of the rooms, somebody told me one time, there's nothing more narcotic than falling in love. Right. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. So, um, 
yeah, after after my uh, last relationship with the, the the woman that I wanted to marry, that didn't work out. And then uh, I hate to say it, but I I kind of wasn't myself. I kind of gave up, and that that's when this started. Understood. Were you working um, for Howard Stern at the time? At that at that age? Uh, no, I was. I had uh, been fired in 2005 or six and then they fired me because of my uh, behavior and a lot of it had to do with substance abuse and drinking uh i was i was um suspended for a while and they did the very kind thing so they put me into a uh, program where you'd have to go and you'd have to do the test and you know you go to groups and stuff like that and after maybe six months of it i thought that I could go back to doing stand-up comedy, and I thought I could do it sober. To go to a weekend uh, in Boston, I remember sitting in the group saying, uh, "Hey guys, listen, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking I can do this. I'm thinking that, uh, you know, I've been sober for six months or whatever it is. I think I can do this. I think I can go and do stand-up again. But I had never done stand-up uh, sober. I had always mm. it represented a time where." You, you know, you're backstage, you always, you had, uh, I, you know, I, I never got into like the hard drugs before stand-up or anything like that. It was always drinking because it's, it's tough to go out there and, and, and do that. So when I got to Boston, um, I was supposed to come back for a meeting on Monday. I didn't come back until Wednesday. Uh, I'm not going to say what I was doing uh, up until then, which was not something I'd like to tell my mom. And if you don't want to tell your mom, then... It's probably not what you want to tell anybody. Right? You don't have to tell me. It's okay. I'm a mom, so it's okay. okay. You don't have to tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, uh, so I didn't get back till Wednesday, and then uh, my boss called me on the phone. He said, look, you didn't make it on Monday. You, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to be going through these meetings. You didn't make it. So uh, this, is, this is the end of the rope. So we have to let you go. And, and after that, see, when you're an addict, you don't, you don't think of – the responsibility for your actions. You never think the step ahead. You want the pain to go away now. You want the problem or, or the the anger, whatever it is, depression. You want it to to deal with it now. And sometimes we don't think of what the consequence will be. And uh, that was pretty clear when I came back. So so yeah. So so from from there, uh, that sent me to my first rehab, where I drove to California, Newport. Uh, New Newport Coast Recovery in uh, Newport Beach, California. Okay. And so so pretty much the whole time you were working for Infinity Broadcasting, uh, Mr. Stern, it, that whole time you had an alcohol problem? or I, I, um, What I learned at the, the first rehab was they said it was more of a depression and it was more mm -hmm. that I was trying to self-medicate i yeah. guess and uh, it was it was a depression problem and i really didn't have a drinking problem because as the book says in aa they say can you go and drink one drink one beer whatever and can you put it down uh if you can then you're you're not an alcoholic and right i i don't know if i believe that anymore um so i i why, could do that. why do you why do you say that oh because you could just have one beer and put it down like you yeah didn't... oh okay 
like you know those you know those people where they 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 have one beer and they just now they can't stop it's done i mean they're gonna they're gonna right. go uh you know uh beat to the wall you know what exactly I'm but about. you weren't like that no no oh. i uh i not until not until i chose to do that interesting interesting so okay, so you went to the treatment in California, and what was that like, and what was the result of that? Uh, it, it was it was great. It was, it was what I needed, and uh, I met some some people there that were just kids, and, and uh, you know, it, it's it, I think you got to you got to stop this thing before it gets to uh, to a point where, as your show says, uh, the point of uh, of no return. I mean. And everyone is different, but I, I still don't know if that was uh, depression or if that was my dependency on uh, alcohol. But I define it uh, as if physically you're addicted to something. If you're physically addicted to it, where you get the shakes, where you have to have it. I believe that's addiction. And a lot of people who say they have drinking problems, I, I, I feel for them. I pray for them. But unless it's affecting you physically, I think it's just a behavioral problem. I think that I think that makes does a good it, point. Does it make sense? Yes, that does make sense. And there is, uh, you know, I was talking about this recently. There, there, there are almost like three different aspects to addiction. There's the physical part. There's the mental part, which in your case had to do with depression. And then there's spiritual part. And, it, and all three of them can come into play at one time or another. And all three have to be addressed. It's so funny that you said that because when I went to that first rehab, I couldn't get past step one because at the time I didn't believe in a higher power. I guess I was still in, it was hard for me to accept, you know, step one. So I'm like, I'm not good at this either. Uh, but um, years later I did become uh, born again, but that, that doesn't mean you're not going to have a problem. So uh, yeah. So, so, uh, later on, that's that's when the problem started, and um, I know we have limited time, so I, I, I guess I, we I, have I'm as much there. time as you want, Casey. Uh, don't don't worry about the time, please. So you did that rehab in California, and how long was it successful for you? Um, it, it was, it was. I I, I found myself kind of helping some younger kids out uh, that were younger than me. Uh, uh, built a weight room there. I showed him how to exercise and you know it was, I was but I was still a kid too I wasn't uh you know I still had it's when you lose it's when you lose the ambition is when I believe that it will really get you and uh, when you give up mm -hmm. and I, I think some of your listeners might be there right now and hopefully I can stop them right now because it, it will kill you and um I guess, yeah, I was great there. I mean, I was, you know, making friends. I was social. Uh, you know, I, I guess I, there was no physical addiction there mm -hmm. uh, when I was at the rehabs. That that came later when, when I decided to do that. Like, do you ever see the movie Leaving Las Vegas? Yes. I, I, I think that's the most realistic uh, depiction of alcoholism that you can find. Wow. That's a heavy, heavy, heavy-duty movie. Uh yeah, I, I can't watch it without. Uh, I, I like to think I'm. I'm not a tough guy, but I, I like to think I'm somewhat of one. But uh, I can't watch that movie w w without uh, 
uh, yeah, I start crying in the first five minutes because yeah. that, that was me. I mean, that was, that was what it was. Okay, so you finished this rehab, and then how, how long were you sober? Uh, let's see. So after that, uh, there was probably about six months. Okay. And, uh, and then I went back to doing stand-up. Uh, I, I was doing stand-up while I was in the rehab. I was doing it uh, sober, but then when I did it on my own, um, things changed. I thought I could handle it because, you know, I, I was young. I, I, I could... I could do anything, right? You know, right. So, so uh, that was okay. But um, the the part that gets where your listeners, uh, where I think I might be able to help a little bit, is when I decided to make that a part of my life. Uh, when I came, I got arrested in Alaska because I chased that girl. Remember the one I told you about? Yep. The one I, 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 you know, she broke up with me on a text. It's like, how could she do that? I mean, uh, but if she sees me. She's gonna, she's gonna change her mind, right? So I just have to go <laughs> after her. I can make her change her mind. Okay, good. Exactly, right. True, <laughs> I threw it at it, right? So, yeah. So I go up there, and then uh, she wants nothing to do with me. So I get arrested, uh, and I spent ten days in uh, pretty much like a solitary Alaska jail. No one knew I was there, and <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> so I came back, and uh, that's when it started because then I, I no longer put any throttle on uh, uh stop the throttle on it uh, i was drinking in, in the morning at night uh back then it was it started as a couple of those uh, those pints uh, of vodka right uh, like uh smirnoff or something like that the smirnoff mm-hmm. and that i remember that i remember the, what the bottle looked like it tasted horrible burned my throat but first thing in the morning it was like somebody drank a glass of water you put that down you throw up uh, and then you drink the second one and you were ready to, to deal with your day, which which you could somewhat deal with, I guess. Right. When you were drinking like that in the morning, starting with a bottle of vodka, where were you working? I was working for a station, uh, a different, not this station that I, uh, I built later, but uh, at a different radio station. And my job was just to come in and do interviews. So I had, uh, let's see, I worked... Uh, I did half hour interviews, maybe from 12 o'clock to maybe five o'clock. And um, yeah, this new, uh, excuse me. Yeah, that was just, uh, you know, Casey, he's, he's, he's crazy. uh, But, um, you know, he gets the job done and uh, everybody uh, was, was happy with, with me, except when I had to go to the hospital, you know, from what was happening. Uh, because you can't, your body cannot take that. Right. So uh, I, I guess I started with um, acute pancreatitis. Okay. And, and that basically what happens is your, your, your insides can't take the amount of alcohol that comes in and it makes your organs kind of digest themselves. There's two levels. There's a lipase and there's an amylase. If those levels go up, oh man, you are in pain. You are, mm. you are, you are hurting. And uh, when you when you uh, when you have the addiction, it's very hard to just to just stop. Um, I remember having the sweats and the hallucinations uh, in the hospital when they're giving you the uh, what's that called? Uh, I can't remember. What, um, it's a. Uh, I'm it's sorry, a I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's 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 um, 
uh, I'll remember it, but. Uh, Something to counter the effects of the alcohol. Right, right, right. Yeah. And um, they give you that uh, and uh, that's supposed to, uh, I guess it's like a methadone for a heroin addict or something like that. Right. Uh, if they still use that, I don't know if they use that. But, um, yeah, so uh, I went on to get hospitalized uh, over 50 times being admitted over 50 times because as soon as I was let out, hey, this world is the same. I feel the same. I just, uh, I'm not doubled over in pain. So, you know, this is you just- You know, it's this. kind of a miracle that you're still alive, right? Uh, <laughs> With what you've put your body through. I mean, I know, I, know. I know from what I read, you have irreparable damage, but yeah. you know, you're here, you're doing really, really good things. Eh, there's a higher power involved there, I would say. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yes. Uh, now, I know that now. I wish I would have known it back then. But hey, uh, with the time we got left, we should make the place better than we found it. Right. Exactly. OK, so 50 times you're in the hospital. 53. 53. <laughs> 53 times you're in the hospital. Admitted. Why yeah. wasn't there a 54th? What, you know, we mentioned this point of no return. What is it that you finally went, I have to stop? Because you kept not stopping. So what yeah. changed that? It's a, it's a great question. And uh, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you with the answer because uh, I bled out uh, the, in between, maybe between 30 and 50 times. I bled out. Uh, I, I thought... Uh, I don't want to get gross here with, with your listeners, but I'm going to try and say this. I'm on the radio, so I could say this on the FM radio with, without uh, being actionable or anything. But I was I'm okay bleeding. Because, I'm okay because this is hardcore. And these people that listen, if they have any doubts about how dangerous these things are, speak freely. Thank you. Um, I started to, when I went to the bathroom, I went number two, I started to see blood in there. And I, I'm like, uh, I. You know, I I was an athlete, uh, but I never had that. But, you know, I've had a million concussions and, you know, it was just that uh, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that until uh, I, I get to work and everyone's telling me I look like a ghost uh, and I look sickly and I'm losing uh, breath walking up uh, a half a flight of stairs. And I'm at, I, I get up there and I'm out of breath and I get on the air and talking to people. I'm out of, I'm out of breath. And I'm completely white. I, I'm white to begin with, as you see. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I, I, I looked, uh, they, they say, you look scary, Case. So uh, one day when I went to work at the other station, I got done with an interview. And the girl I was with at the time was with me. And she, we were sitting on a, a bench in the studio or outside the studio. And she said, I'll get the car because she was the one that told me I looked horrible. I'm used to people telling me I look horrible, but uh, thickly it's different, right? <laughs> so uh, she goes and she gets the car, and when she comes back, I, I had fallen off and I'm laying uh, in a, an office building on the floor, right? So she calls the ambulance, and the ambulance comes, and they, and they, they get me, and they bring me uh, to the local hospital, and uh, I don't really have uh, blood pressure, so they couldn't put an IV in. So they had to use my jugular, right? So they had to put uh, the IV through my jugular vein. And I, uh, I can just remember 
man, that thing hurt. I mean, they because they, they tried about ten times, and one person even gave up. They said, "I, I this is this is over. I, I'm done," and she left. And then someone else tried, and I, they got it in. And then uh, a couple of minutes later, I realized that I have to have surgery. Uh, so they wheel me in there. I've never had surgery before at all. I I don't know anything about it. So they wheel me into the uh, into the operating room. And I'm on this, like, uh, did you ever dissect a frog in in high school? I'm sure. I don't remember, but I'm sure I did. I remember the smell of formaldehyde, so I must have. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I smell like the vodka, but uh, you, um, it, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a metal dish, and I, I'm laying on it. And I remember it being really cold, and the doctor says that they're going to have to go through uh, – you know where your your groin is. They're gonna have to go through that, yeah, and snake all the way up like you're snaking a like a the clog out of a toilet. And they have to yep. go up, and they have to tie something, a piece of metal, excuse me, around uh, the pancreatic duct or something. I wasn't, I don't remember quite uh, honestly. So, uh, but the thing was, I'm gonna have to be awake throughout the whole thing because of uh, the the little uh, pulse that I had the blood pressure i guess so yeah, i was going to put out. you under because you might just die at that point exactly, so exactly. I, I got it yeah yeah you are listening to the addiction podcast point of no return for more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us go to our facebook page by the same name or you can email us at the addiction podcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. For more information on our sponsor, Narcanon Ojai, visit their website at narcanonojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I.org or call 1-866-231-5924. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. So so um, I just remember it hurting a lot and being real uncomfortable and then in the middle of it i told the doctor i said hey uh can we take a break i really need to use the bathroom meaning i have to go number two really bad and uh he goes we don't have time for that i said i really really have to go and he said uh, just just uh go ahead right here i'm like there's all these people <laughs> around me stuff like that and i i uh i knew that it didn't wasn't normal it didn't feel normal but I, for some reason i really had to go 
And normally I would never do that in front of a room full of people, but I did. And right. all of a sudden, up around my shoulders and the back of my neck and my arms all felt warm. Uh, it, it turns out that I had excreted uh, all the blood that was in my body, pretty much. Uh, wow. So I bled out. Yeah, and, and they were doing it at the same time. They were trying to stop it the same time it was happening because they knew it was going to happen any minute. Right. So uh, it turns out they uh, they put a piece of metal in there. I have a thing where I go on a plane where if, <laughs> if I go through the metal detector. The metal they, detector. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so they um, they replaced uh, every ounce of blood I had in my body. So I, I got someone else's blood. Maybe that's why I've changed. I don't know. <laughs> but, that <laughs> wasn't the la but that wasn't the last time. Was that the last time you were in the hospital? No, no. Uh, so even you, after you, that. You still did it. Ten days, uh, seven days. Yeah, seven days. Then I started up again. Because when you're out, you're still that same person. And you still got the same. Unless you get to what the problem is, you're going to be that same person. Exactly. The alcohol or the drugs is the solution to the problem. And you have to get the problem. Totally true. Yep. And um, yeah. Okay. So after 53, I'm coming back to that. What, okay. Why did you stop? I mean, what made you stop? I would say that the people that I care about didn't, didn't need to see me anymore. They didn't need to see me go to hospitals. The only relationships I had with people was if, and I never wanted anybody to come into the hospital, but if, if for some reason they found out I was there, uh, they would come in. Um, and a lot of people don't have anybody, you know, but once, once I got to see that, you know, that's, that's, that's not a way to live your life. Uh, it's, 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 you gotta be around good people. All right. If that if that is if you find it in AA, if you find it in your church, if you find it helping other people, if you find it at soup kitchens, whatever it is, you got to be around good people, and you have to do something different. Yep. Um, and I, I, I'm lucky because actually I, I I found the replacement. Uh, like everything's a replacement. Everything's a distraction. I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. So I guess work was my replacement i tried to build this station up with good people it's a, the world's most the world's most amazing people um it's all about stories about people that have gone through horrible um th things in their life but they've come out better and uh, able to help other people so i'm surrounded by amazing people i, broke, I, I love I that people. you're surrounded by amazing people so you get to be amazing too Congratulations, Casey. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You get to be amazing too. The fact that you're still here, the fact that you're doing everything you're doing, the fact that you are focusing on people who have wonderful stories to tell, you're focusing on amazing people. You, you got to take a win, Casey. You just have to. I love that. I love that. That's a great line. I love that. I'm telling you, you have to take a win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Did you do any no, drugs no. other than alcohol or did you primarily just stick with alcohol? I, I, uh, I think I tried Coke maybe once. Um, okay. And uh, 
you know, prescriptions. I was on a, a bunch of them, but alcohol was what was killing me. Okay. It's, you... it's still, I guess it is, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't really, my pancreas is half of it is dead. It's calcified. Right. When you stopped with the alcohol, did you just stop cold Turkey? Did you have, how did you do that? Because stopping alcohol cold Turkey can be, um, can kill you. Yeah, exactly. That and, and benz, uh, benzos, yes. alcohol and benzos can kill you. That's right. So uh, I, I stopped. I stopped in the hospital one time because I had this last surgery where I had this um, this cyst that was on my pancreas and they had it drained. So I had to be in there for about two weeks. And uh, usually they say they get a couple of teaspoons of fluid out of the this pan- pancreatic uh, pseudo cyst, uh, but. The doctors told me they got a liter out of it, and that oh, was probably what was bothering me. <laughs> oh, Casey! Like, oh. Yeah, where, where was where was that when I was uh, trying to make weight for wrestling? I mean, that would have—that oh. was like a pound right there. I gotta have that. But um, yeah, so uh, after that, uh, I wasn't in so much pain, and a lot of time I thought alcohol was going to cure the pain, even the physical pain. Right. Uh, so. So, so I, you didn't need that, the alcohol because you weren't in physical pain. So because okay. then it got it got infected and I got down to 160 pounds, which I'm I've been on 210. Uh, I, I played football at 210 and I, I stay around 200. I got down to 160 because my insides were infected now. So it's like either case, do you want to live or, or do you want to die? And, uh, you know, just like I, I drank to die, um, I stopped to live. You made the right so, decision. Well, uh, have you talked to my girlfriend? She'll tell you something different. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so how did how did how did then? You're working for a radio station. You were interviewing people. How did you end up with WMAP and all of these amazing people that are around you? How did you get down there? Okay. So so what happened was I was I was living in this uh, in this house that I was renting out east, and in the back there was this little room. Uh, that was all glass and looked out on the water, which was really cool. And I'm like, you know, this this would be pretty cool because after the station I worked for, the the one I was telling you about, I'm like, well, why can't I do this myself? But now I want to just change it. So I'm going to be interviewing people that are like me, that uh, not just drugs and alcohol, but people who uh, have uh, gone through these challenges. Like, for instance, the, the first person in my first book is uh, Werner Rice. He was a guy in a, a concentration camp. He was a prisoner. Uh, he he uh he slept next to a dead guy for for three days to get his ration of acorn soup. I mean, who am I to complain? Oh, I can't stop drinking. That guy couldn't even. He was uh, he, he was he weighed sixty four pounds. You know, um. So, and so I I keep getting inspired by these people all the time. One of them said just the other day. They said if you if you went in a circle with a bunch of people and everyone threw their problems into the into the center. Into the, into the middle with everyone around, when everyone told their story about what was wrong, you would go back and you would pick up your own problems probably. So, so that, you know, stuff like that, I hear that stuff every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and uh, my goal here is to, uh, is hopefully someone can take something. I, I, I don't like to speak about myself. I don't, uh, I, I, this is not what I, I, it's not my hobby to tell you my story, but I'm hoping that someone because I've gotten, uh, you know, nine, I've got nine letters through the books that I've, that I've written about, uh, it's so awesome. I, 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 
finally think that I've done something to make this world better. Nine people were going to kill themselves, and I said that somebody in the book made them uh, re reevaluate what they were doing and gave them another chance. And that wow. that's why I'll take, I'll take a phone call from anybody. That's amazing. I mean, that right there, nine people were going to commit suicide, and you saved their lives, Casey. I didn't. I, I didn't. It was the people in the book that did. But I put the book out, so I had something to do with it. You, you get uh, to take I, some share of that. I'm sorry. I'm going to give yeah, you some credit for that. I know you're not. I know you're not. And that's what makes it That's what makes it as good as it is, because you're not doing it for some kind of glory. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, how many, how many people do you think were saved because of your program? You know, yep. because, because of, of uh, the different stories from different people. So uh, you're, you're amazing. And Steve is amazing. I mean, it's it's people making a difference and uh, what i can say if someone's struggling right now just do this once just go out and see how it feels to go help somebody else see how it see how that feels maybe you don't feel like you're such a piece of garbage to do that yeah because I, I i i'm great at that i'm great at thinking i'm horrible <laughs> i think that's huge i want to just say one other thing if we can segue into it um i was when i was reading something that you had written about um it was kind of like an introduction to your books you mentioned um, something that occurred that um, really showed some integrity on your part, where you it showed a loyalty to Mr. Stern or Howard Stern. Can do you want to share that story? It's a good story. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, wow. Um, that's why you guys are so good. You you, you do uh, you, you do the research that we're we're all supposed to do. That's great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, when I was, uh, when things were really bad, I was, I didn't have a place to live in, in California. I was living in, a, in the back of a, a car, and I say, I say in a book that it wasn't mine. So it was, it was like this rental car that I was, that was what I called home for a while. And Denny's had a big bathroom, and that's where I would shower. And it's, I, I, that's another book I'll, I could tell you how to. <laughs> but um, a, a guy offered me, he said, "Hey, you got any any dirt on on Howard Stern? I mean, can you?" Can you tell me uh, something uh, that um, we can write a book about it and uh, I can get you a million dollars? And I, I, and at this time, I'm, I'm laying in the back. It's, I mean, uh, California, the sun is through the car and I don't have gas to put the AC on. I'm like, Man, a million dollars? Wow, that'd be awesome. Uh, but uh, I'm just not that guy. Uh, and uh, I told him, I said, um, I got nothing to say. He's a human being. He's just just like me and you. I got nothing to say. I don't have anything to tell you. Now, I found out later that uh, that guy probably didn't have a million dollars. And anybody who would be so morally bankrupt probably doesn't have a million dollars. But um, even so, you were in a position where probably a lot of people might have said yes. Well, $10 would have been good at the time. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And you showed integrity. And, and interestingly, I was reading your definition for amazing people. And you said it's someone who gets through life with dignity and some sort of integrity and also helps other people. And I think that's a great definition. I think that's awesome. Oh, thank, thank you so much. I, I mean, you, you're wow. You're you're really good at what you do. And you're I can tell you're a great person. So um Thank you for saying those things. Well, thank you. Really. And as long as you realize you're one of those amazing people, too. Because you know what I always say when someone goes, oh, you do this, you do that? I always go, it takes one to know one. 
Okay. And that's, you know, I believe that because, you know, if you, if you hang out, the, you know, the friends, uh, if, if you're an alcoholic or whatever, you hung out at, at the bar every day and you go through something, do you think you could call those people? Where are they? After you get sober, do you somehow kind of drift apart somehow? So um, I love what you guys do. What you and Steve do is, is really cool. And um, uh, it comes down to just, What's that saying? It's birds of a what? Birds, birds of, of a feather a... stick together. Something like that. Yeah. But I always yeah. like that it takes one to know one because that's that kids thing. You know, when you go, oh, you know, you're mean and ugly. And they go, it takes one to know one. So I always turn it around when someone goes, wow, you look really beautiful. I go, takes one to know one. That's awesome. And, and it's it's true. It, it's That's a, that's a real thing. Um, yeah. I mean, when you got to start putting people down and, and blaming other people, uh, those are the people that you should you know, say, w- wish them the best, pray for them. But you want to hang out with uh, people like you and Steve. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, if someone listening feels that they have a story they want to share with you or they just want to talk to you, how do they do that? How can they reach you? Um, they can uh, email me at casey at wmapradio.com or they can listen to WMAP Radio. It's wmapradio.com. Uh, also, I'm, I'm a member of this thing called Kula Brands, which is an amazing bunch of people that are trying to help other people and uh, go to coolabrands.com for that. Uh, that's uh, that? uh, K U L a brands.com. And that's how I got to know you guys uh, through uh, one of, one of the members there, just really good people trying to help one another. And, and that's what, that's what you need. Anybody, anybody going through something bad right now, you can, you can uh, email me. I'll call you right back. Uh, I was talking to this guy uh, who just read my last book, Simply Amazing Women, which oh, here's a plug. That's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Simply Amazing Women, you can get on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. It's called Simply Amazing Women. The first book is called Simply Amazing, the Special Authors Edition. But this guy from Ireland, all the way in Ireland, told me, he said, hey, I read uh, your intro, uh, and I just want to tell you how touched I was, and I'm struggling with uh, – I'm not. I'm not uh, giving away any secrets because nobody can. Nobody knows. I could. The whole country of Ireland. If you're gonna pick out one person, <laughs> but but somebody was 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 uh, was having problems with drugs and alcohol, and I said, here, here's my number. Call me. And uh, I've been checking up on this dude, and he's doing a lot better, and uh, he's become my friend. So that, that's no prize, believe me. But uh, look, I, if you're going through something, there's always somebody that will listen to you. You don't know me, and uh, you know. You don't know uh, half half the people that that try and help people, but just reach out to somebody. You can't do it by yourself, yes. man. That's right. That's exactly right. Give your email again, and if you want to share your phone number, that's okay. If you don't, that's okay too. Um, sure. It's it's uh, KC two letters KC at wmapradio.com. And uh, for anybody who's struggling, and I'm going to ask you guys, please, if uh, if you want to just play jokes and stuff, please don't do that. Seven one four. Five five two five six four seven. That's my cell phone number. I'll give it out because it's more important to hear from someone who's struggling than someone who's just gonna uh, call me up and say that I'm gay or something like that. <laughs> exactly. And I ask you not to do that, please. No, I understand, Casey. Thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to do this interview today. I, your story is amazing, and I. It, it's going to resonate with someone and that's why we do this. And really thank you so much. I can't thank you guys enough. And um, 
keep doing what you're doing. You're helping a lot of people. And thank you so much. You're, you're a Pulitzer. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening today. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Casey Armstrong. His story is harrowing. It got so bad for him. I truly think it's a miracle that he's still alive, but I think that he's still alive because God had a purpose for him to do what he's doing now, which is helping tell the story of amazing people. And I just think that that's huge. Once again, his radio station is WMAP, World's Most Amazing People. And there you can go to WMAPradio.com if you want to listen to his program. And I'm thinking it's got to be good. Just a last-minute reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, find us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and ring the bell, which will let you know when we have a new episode. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. For more information on Narconon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcononojai.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.